Chapter Four of A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carol Box. A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life by William Law. Chapter Four We Can Please God in No State or Employment of Life but by intending and devoting it all to his honour and glory. Having in the first chapter stated the general nature of devotion, and shown that it implies not any form of prayer, but a certain form of life, that is offered to God, not at any particular times or places, but everywhere and in everything, I shall now descend to some particulars, and show how we are to devote our labour and employment our time and fortunes unto god as a good christian should consider every place as holy because god is there so he should look upon every part of his life as a matter of holiness because it is to be offered unto god the profession of a clergyman is an holy profession because it is a ministration in holy things an attendance at the altar but worldly business is to be made holy unto the lord by being done as a service to him and in conformity to his divine will for as all men and all things in the world as truly belong unto god as any places things or persons that are devoted to divine service so all things are to be used and all persons are to act in their several states and employments for the glory of god men of worldly business therefore must not look upon themselves as at liberty to live to themselves to sacrifice to their own humours and tempers because their employment is of a worldly nature but they must consider that as the world and all worldly professions as truly belong to god as persons and things that are devoted to the altar so it is as much the duty of man in worldly business to live wholly unto god as it is the duty of those who are devoted to divine service as the whole world is god's so the whole world is to act for god as all men have the same relation to god as all men have all their powers and faculties from god so all men are obliged to act for god with all their powers and faculties as all things are god's so all things are to be used and regarded as the things of god for men to abuse things on earth and live to themselves is the same rebellion against god as for angels to abuse things in heaven because god is just the same lord of all on earth as he is the lord of all in heaven things may and must differ in their use but they are all to be used according to the will of god men may and must differ in their employments but yet they must all act for the same ends as dutiful servants of god in the right and pious performance of their several callings clergymen must live wholly unto god in one particular way that is in the exercise of holy offices in the ministration of prayers and sacraments and a zealous distribution of spiritual goods but men of other employments are in their particular ways as much obliged to act as the servants of god and live wholly unto him in their several callings 
this is the only difference between clergymen and people of other callings when it can be shown that men might be vain covetous sensual worldly-minded or proud in the exercise of their worldly business then it will be allowable for clergymen to indulge the same tempers in their sacred profession for though these tempers are most odious and most criminal in clergymen who besides their baptismal vow have a second time devoted themselves to god to be his servants not in the common offices of human life but in the spiritual service of the most holy sacred things and who are therefore to keep themselves as separate and different from the common life of other men as a church or an altar is to be kept separate from houses and tables of common use yet as all christians are by their baptism devoted to god and made professors of holiness so are they all in their several callings to live as holy and heavenly persons doing everything in their common life only in such a manner as it may be received by god as a service done to him for things spiritual and temporal sacred and common must like men and angels like heaven and earth all conspire in the glory of god as there is but one god and father of us all whose glory gives light and life to everything that lives whose presence fills all places whose power supports all beings whose providence ruleth all events so everything that lives whether in heaven or on earth whether they be thrones or principalities men or angels they must all with one spirit live wholly to the praise and glory of this one god and father of them all angels as angels in their heavenly ministrations but men as men women as women bishops as bishops priests as priests and deacons as deacons some with things spiritual and some with things temporal offering to god the daily sacrifice of a reasonable life wise actions purity of heart and heavenly affections this is the common business of all persons in this world it is not left to any woman in the world to trifle away their time in the follies and impertinences of a fashionable life nor to any men to resign themselves up to worldly cares and concerns it is not left to the rich to gratify their passions in the indulgences and pride of life nor to the poor to vex and torment their hearts with the poverty of their state but men and women rich and poor must with bishops and priests walk before god in the same wise and holy spirit in the same denial of all vain tempers and in the same discipline and care of their souls not only because they have all the same rational nature and are servants of the same god but because they all want the same holiness to make them fit for the same happiness to which they are called it is therefore absolutely necessary for all christians whether men or women to consider themselves as persons that are devoted to holiness and so order their common ways of life by such rules of reason and piety as may turn it into continual service unto almighty god now to make our labour or employment an acceptable service unto god we must carry it on with the same spirit and temper that is required in giving of alms or any work of piety for if whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do we must do all to the glory of god 
1 Corinthians 10, 31. If we are to use this world as if we used it not, if we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, Romans 12, 1. If we are to live by faith and not by sight, and to have our conversation in heaven, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Philippians 3, 20. Then it is necessary that the common way of our life, in every state, be made to glorify God by such tempers as make our prayers and adorations acceptable to him. For if we are worldly or earthly-minded in our employments, if they are carried on with vain desires and covetous tempers only to satisfy ourselves, we can no more be said to live to the glory of God than gluttons and drunkards can be said to eat and drink to the glory of God. As the glory of God is one and the same thing, so whatever we do suitable to it must be done with one and the same spirit. That same state and temper of mind which makes our arms and devotions acceptable must also make our labour or employment a proper offering unto God. If a man labours to be rich and pursues his business that he may raise himself to a state of figure and glory in the world, he is no longer serving God in his employment. He is acting under other masters and has no more title to a reward from God than he that gives alms that he may be seen or praise that he may be heard of men. For vain and earthly desires are no more allowable in our employments than in our arms and devotions. For these tempers of worldly pride and vainglory are not only evil when they mix with our good works, but they have the same evil nature and make us odious to God when they enter into the common business of our employment. If it were allowable to indulge covetous or vain passions in our worldly employments, it would then be allowable to be vainglorious in our devotions. But as our arms and devotions are not an acceptable service, but when they proceed from a heart truly devoted to God, so our common employment cannot be reckoned a service to Him, but when it is performed with the same temper and piety of heart. Most of the employments of life are in their own nature lawful, and all those that are so may be made a substantial part of our duty to God, if we engage in them only so far, and for such ends, as are suitable to beings that are to live above the world, all the time that they live in the world. This is the only measure of our application to any worldly business, let it be what it will, where it will, it must have no more of our hands, our hearts, or our time, than is consistent with a hearty, daily, careful preparation of ourselves for another life. For as all Christians, as such have renounced this world, to prepare themselves by daily devotion and universal holiness for an eternal state of quite another nature, they must look upon worldly employments as upon worldly wants and bodily infirmities, things not to be desired but only to be endured and suffered, till death and the resurrection have carried us to an eternal state of real happiness. Now he that does not look at the things of this life in this degree of littleness cannot be said either to feel or believe the greatest truths of Christianity. For if he thinks anything great or important in human business, can he be said to feel or believe those scriptures which represent this life and the greatest things of life as bubbles, vapours, dreams and shadows?
if he thinks figure and show and worldly glory to be any proper happiness of a christian how can he be said to feel or believe this doctrine blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake luke six twenty two for surely if there was any real happiness in figure and show and worldly glory if these things deserved our thoughts and care it could not be matter of the highest joy when we are torn from them by persecutions and sufferings if therefore a man will so live as to show that he feels and believes the most fundamental doctrines of christianity he must live above the world this is the temper that must enable him to do the business of life and yet live wholly unto god and to go through some worldly employment with a heavenly mind and it is as necessary that people live in their employments with this temper as it is necessary that their employment itself be lawful the husbandman that tilleth the ground is employed in an honest business that is necessary in life and very capable of being made an acceptable service unto god but if he labours and toils not to serve any reasonable ends of life but in order to have his plough made of silver and to have his horses harnessed in gold the honesty of his employment is lost as to him and his labour becomes his folly a tradesman may justly think that it is agreeable to the will of god for him to sell such things as are innocent and useful in life such as help both himself and others to a reasonable support and enable them to assist those that want to be assisted but if instead of this he trades only with regard to himself without any other rule than that of his own temper if it be his chief end in it to grow rich that he may live in figure and indulgence and to be able to retire from business to idleness and luxury his trade as to him loses all its innocency and is so far from being an acceptable service to god that it is only a more plausible cause of covetousness self-love and ambition for such a one turns the necessities of employment into pride and covetousness just as the sot and epicure turn the necessities of eating and drinking into gluttony and drunkenness now he that is up early and late that sweats and labours for these ends that he may be some time or other rich and live in pleasure and indulgence lives no more to the glory of god than he that plays and games for the same ends for though there is a great difference between trading and gaming yet most of that difference is lost when men once trade with the same desires and tempers and for the same ends that others game charity and fine dressing are things very different but if men give alms for the same reasons that others dress fine only to be seen and admired charity is then but like the vanity of fine clothes in like manner if the same motives make some people painful and industrious in their trades which make others constant at gaming such pains are but like the pains of gaming calidus has traded above thirty years in the greatest city of the kingdom he has been so many years constantly increasing his trade and his fortune every hour of the day is with him an hour of business and though he eats and drinks very heartily every meal seems to be in a hurry and he would say grace if he had time 
Calidus ends every day at the tavern, but has not leisure to be there till near nine o'clock. He is always forced to drink a good hearty glass, to drive thoughts of business out of his head, and make his spirits drowsy enough for sleep. He does business all the time that he is rising, and has settled several matters before he can get to his counting-room. His prayers are a short ejaculation or two, which he never misses in stormy, tempestuous weather, because he has always something or other at sea. Calidus will tell you, with great pleasure, that he has been in this hurry for so many years, and that it must have killed him long ago, but that if it had been a rule with him to get out of the town every Saturday, and make the Sunday a day of quiet and good refreshment in the country. He is now so rich that he would leave off his business, and amuse his old age with building, and furnishing a fine house in the country, but that he is afraid he should grow melancholy, if he was to quit his business. He will tell you, with great gravity, that it is a dangerous thing for a man that has been used to get money, ever to leave it off. If thoughts of religion happen at any time to steal into his head, Calidus contents himself with thinking that he never was a friend to heretics and infidels, that he has always been civil to the minister of his parish, and very often given something to the charity schools. Now this way of life is at such a distance from all the doctrine and discipline of Christianity, that no one can live in it through ignorance or frailty. Calidus can no more imagine that he is born again of the Spirit, St. John 3, that he is in Christ a new creature, that he lives here as a stranger and a pilgrim, 1 Peter 2, 11, setting his affections on things above, and laying up treasures in heaven, Colossians 3, 1. He can no more imagine this than he can think that he has been all his life an apostle working miracles and preaching the gospel. It must also be owned that the generality of trading people, especially in great towns, are too much like Calidus. You see them all the week buried in business, unable to think of anything else, and then spending the Sunday in idleness and refreshment, in wandering into the country, in such visits and jovial meetings, as make it often the worst day of the week. Now they do not live thus, because they cannot support themselves with less care and application to business, but they live thus because they want to grow rich in their trades, and to maintain their families in some such figure and degree of finery, as a reasonable Christian life has no occasion for. Take away but this temper, and then people of all trades will find themselves at leisure to live every day like Christians, to be careful of every duty of the gospel, to live in a visible course of religion, and be every day strict observers both of private and public prayer. Now the only way to do this is for people to consider their trade as something that they are obliged to devote to the glory of God, something that they are to do only in such a manner as that they may make it a duty to him. Nothing can be right in business that is not under these rules. The apostle commands servants to be obedient to their masters, in singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. Ephesians 6, 5, Colossians 3, 22, 23. 
this passage sufficiently shows that all christians are to live wholly unto god in every state and condition doing the work of their common calling in such a manner and for such ends as to make it a part of their devotion or service to god for certainly if poor slaves are not to comply with their business as men pleasers if they are to look wholly unto god in all their actions and serve in singleness of heart as unto the lord surely men of other employments and conditions must be as much obliged to go through their business with the same singleness of heart not as pleasing the vanity of their own minds not as gratifying their own selfish worldly passions but as the servants of god in all that they have to do for surely no one will say that a slave is to devote his state of life unto god and make the will of god the sole rule and end of his service but that a tradesman need not act with the same spirit of devotion in his business for this is as absurd as to make it necessary for one man to be more just or faithful than another it is therefore absolutely certain that no christian is to enter any farther into business nor for any other ends than such as he can in singleness of heart offer unto god as a reasonable service for the son of god has redeemed us for this only end that we should by a life of reason and piety live to the glory of god this is the only rule and measure for every order and state of life without this rule the most lawful employment becomes a sinful state of life take away this from the life of a clergyman and his holy profession serves only to expose him to a greater damnation take away this from tradesmen and shops are but so many houses of greediness and filthy lucre take away this from gentlemen and the course of their life becomes a course of sensuality pride and wantonness take away this rule from our tables and all falls into gluttony and drunkenness take away this measure from our dress and habits and all is turned into such paint and glitter and ridiculous ornaments as are a real shame to the wearer take away this from the use of our fortunes and you will find people sparing in nothing but charity take away this from our diversions and you will find no sports too silly nor any entertainments too vain and corrupt to be the pleasure of christians if therefore we desire to live unto god it is necessary to bring our whole life under this law to make his glory the sole rule and measure of our acting in every employment of life for there is no other true devotion but this of living devoted to god in the common business of our lives so that men must not content themselves with the lawfulness of their employments but must consider whether they use them as they are to use everything as strangers and pilgrims that are baptized into the resurrection of jesus christ that are to follow him in a wise and heavenly course of life in the mortification of all worldly desires and in purifying and preparing their souls for the blessed enjoyment of god colossians three one one peter one fifteen sixteen ephesians five twenty six twenty seven for to be vain or proud or covetous or ambitious in the common course of our business is as contrary to these holy tempers of christianity as cheating and dishonesty if a glutton was to say in excuse of his gluttony that he only eats such things as it is lawful to eat he would make as good an excuse for himself as the greedy covetous 
ambitious tradesman that should say he only deals in lawful business for as a christian is not only required to be honest but to be of a christian spirit and make his life an exercise of humility repentance and heavenly affection so all tempers are contrary to these that are as contrary to christianity as cheating is contrary to honesty so that the matter plainly comes to this all irregular tempers in trade and business are but like irregular tempers in eating and drinking proud views and vain desires in our worldly employments are as truly vices and corruptions as hypocrisy in prayer or vanity in arms and there can be no reason given why vanity in our arms should make us odious to god but what will prove any other kind of pride to be equally odious he that labours and toils in a calling that he may make a figure in the world and draw the eyes of people upon the splendour of his condition is as far from the pious humility of a christian as he that gives alms that he may be seen of men for the reason why pride and vanity in our prayers and arms renders them an unacceptable service to god is not because there is anything particular in prayers and arms that cannot allow of pride but because pride is in no respect nor in anything made for man it destroys the piety of our prayers and arms because it destroys the piety of everything that it touches and renders every action that it governs incapable of being offered unto god so that if we could divide ourselves as to be humble in some respects and proud in others such humility would be of no service to us because god requires us as truly to be humble in all our actions and designs as to be true and honest in all our actions and designs and as a man is not honest and true because he is so to a great many people or upon several occasions but because truth and honesty is the measure of all his dealings with everybody so the case is the same in humility or any other temper it must be the general ruling habit of our minds and extend itself to all our actions and designs before it can be imputed to us we indeed sometimes talk as if a man might be humble in some things and proud in others humble in his dress but proud of his learning humble in his person but proud in his views and designs but though this may pass in common discourse where few things are said according to strict truth it cannot be allowed when we examine into the nature of our actions it is very possible for a man that lives by cheating to be very punctual in paying for what he buys but then every one is assured that he does not do so out of any principle of true honesty in like manner it is very possible for a man that is proud of his estate ambitious in his views or vain in his learning to disregard his dress and person in such a manner as a truly humble man would do but to suppose that he does so out of a true principle of religious humility is full as absurd as to suppose that a cheat pays for what he buys out of a principle of religious honesty as therefore all kinds of dishonesty destroy our pretences to an honest principle of mind so all kinds of pride destroy our pretences to an humble spirit no one wonders that those prayers and arms which proceed from pride and ostentation are odious to god but yet it is as easy to show that pride is as pardonable there as anywhere else if we could suppose that god rejects pride in our prayers and arms 
but bears with pride in our dress our persons or estates it would be the same thing as to suppose that god condemns falsehood in some actions but allows it in others for pride in one thing differs from pride in another thing as the robbing of one man differs from the robbing of another again if pride and ostentation is so odious that it destroys the merit and worth of the most reasonable actions surely it must be equally odious in those actions which are only founded in the weakness and infirmity of our nature as thus arms are commanded by god as excellent in themselves as true instances of a divine temper but clothes are only allowed to cover our shame surely therefore it must at least be as odious a degree of pride to be vain in our clothes as to be vain in our arms again we are commanded to pray without ceasing one thessalonians five seventeen as a means of rendering our souls more exalted and divine but we are forbidden to lay up treasures upon earth matthew six nineteen and can we think that it is not as bad to be vain of those treasures which we are forbidden to lay up as to be vain of those prayers which we are commanded to make women are required to have their heads covered and to adorn themselves with shamefacedness 1 corinthians 11:13 1 timothy 2:9 if therefore they are vain in those things which are expressly forbidden if they patch and paint that part which can only be adorned by shamefacedness surely they have as much to repent of for such a pride as they have whose pride is the motive to their prayers and charity this must be granted unless we will say that it is more pardonable to glory in our shame than to glory in our virtue all these instances are only to show us the great necessity of such a regular and uniform piety as extends itself to all the actions of our common life that we must eat and drink and dress and discourse according to the sobriety of the christian spirit engage in no employments but such as we can truly devote unto god nor pursue them any farther than so far as conduces to the reasonable ends of a holy devout life that we must be honest not only on particular occasions and in such instances as are applauded in the world easy to be performed and free from danger or loss but from such a living principle of justice as makes us love truth and integrity in all its instances follow it through all dangers and against all opposition as knowing that the more we pay for any truth the better is our bargain and that then our integrity becomes a pearl when we have parted with all to keep it that we must be humble not only in such instances as are expected in the world or suitable to our tempers or confined to particular occasions but in such a humility of spirit as renders us meek and lowly in the whole course of our lives as shows itself in our dress our person our conversation our enjoyment of the world the tranquillity of our minds patience under injuries submission to superiors and condescensions to those that are below us and in all the outward actions of our lives that we must devote not only times and places to prayer but be everywhere in the spirit of devotion with hearts always set towards heaven looking up to god in all our actions and doing everything as his servants living in the world as in a holy temple of god and always worshipping him though not with our lips 
yet with the thankfulness of our hearts the holiness of our actions and the pious and charitable use of all his gifts that we must not only send up petitions and thoughts to heaven but must go through all our worldly business with a heavenly spirit as members of christ's mystical body that with new hearts and new minds we may turn an earthly life into a preparation for a life of greatness and glory in the kingdom of heaven now the only way to arrive at this piety of spirit is to bring all your actions to the same rule as your devotions and arms you very well know what it is that makes the piety of your arms or devotions now the same rules the same regard to god must render everything else that you do a fit and acceptable service unto god enough i hope has been said to show you the necessity of thus introducing religion into all the actions of your common life and of living and acting with the same regard to god in all that you do as in your prayers and alms eating is one of the lowest actions of our lives it is common to us with mere animals yet we see that the piety of all ages of the world has turned this ordinary action of an animal life into a piety of god by making every meal to begin and end with devotion we see yet some remains of this custom in most christian families some such little formality as shows you that people used to call upon god at the beginning and end of their meals but indeed it is now generally performed as to look more like a mockery upon devotion than any solemn application of the mind unto god in one house you may perhaps see the head of the family just pulling off his hat in another half getting up from his seat another shall it may be proceed so far as to make as if he said something but however these little attempts are the remains of some devotion that was formerly used at such times and are proofs that religion has formerly belonged to this part of common life but to such a pass are we now come that though the custom is yet preserved yet we can hardly bear with him that seems to perform it with any degree of seriousness and look upon it as a sign of fanatical temper if a man has not done as soon as he begins i would not be thought to plead for the necessity of long prayers at these times but thus much i think may be said that if prayer is proper at these times we ought to oblige ourselves to use such a form of words as should show that we solemnly appeal to god for such graces and blessings as are then proper to the occasion otherwise the mock ceremony instead of blessing our victuals does but accustom us to trifle with devotion and give us a habit of being unaffected with our prayers if every head of a family was at the return of every meal to oblige himself to make a solemn adoration of god in such a decent manner as becomes a devout mind it would be very likely to teach him that swearing sensuality gluttony and loose discourse were very improper at those meals which were to begin and end with devotion and if in these days of general corruption this part of devotion is fallen into a mock ceremony it must be imputed to this cause that sensuality and intemperance have got too great a power over us to suffer us to add any devotion to our meals but thus much must be said that when we are as pious as jews and heathens of all ages have been we shall think it proper to pray at the beginning and end of our meals i have appealed to this pious custom of all ages of the world as a proof of the reasonableness of the doctrine of this and the foregoing chapters that is 
as a proof that religion is to be the rule and measure of all the actions of ordinary life for surely if we are not to eat but under such rules of devotion it must plainly appear that whatever else we do must in its proper way be done with the same regard to the glory of god and agreeably to the principles of a devout and pious mind end of chapter 4 recording by carol box